Drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Mixing wall of sound guitars with an ear for a good hook, Melbourne band Flying Colours have continued the proud tradition of shoegaze and won an international fan base along the way. The band have just released their third album, You Never Know, and Brody J. Brummer is here with me on RN Drive. G'day, Brody. G'day, how are you? I'm good. I'm curious about how and when you were first drawn to this style. Was there a band you loved? Was it My Bloody Valentine, like a lot of uh, shoegaze <laughs> proponents uh, talk about? Or was it just the sound that sort of came out when you all got together and started playing in the room? Um, essentially, I, when I was quite young, I'd done some some home recording of my own of, of some new songs and I brought it into someone uh, who was much older than me. I was only 17 at the time who I worked with. And um, I played them what I had recorded and they said, it's it's all wrong, it sounds... It's all upside down. It sounds terrible. You, do you like My Bloody Valentine? And I was like, who's that? And um, he proceeded to give me a copy of Loveless and I realised that was probably close to what I was doing. So it was a bit of an accident in a way. With your last album, Fantasy Country, you said that you'd written a lot of those songs around the tours of the first album, but the process of getting it recorded took a bit longer than you were expecting. What about this one? It feels like this has been a pretty quick turnaround release, uh, you know, what in, in comparison, f- uh, five years compared to less than two in this case. Mm, most definitely. This this record uh, was written rather quickly, kind of in, a, in the same time period and recorded in the space of two weeks. So we went into Red Door Sounds in, in Collingwood here in Melbourne with um, our longtime collaborator, Woody Anderson, and we, we recorded the entire thing and, and mixed it all up in, in, that, in that space of time. So yeah, very different to, to Fantasy Country. We had two days of pre-production, which was were the first times that the band had really played the majority of the songs. So it was uh, could not be more opposite to the way in which we recorded and, and um, produced Fantasy Country, which was what we wanted to do. What is your process like in the studio? Do you come with a, a scrapbook of ideas or is it letting your hands find the way forward? What's your process? I tend to come with fully formed ideas or what I think are fully formed ideas and then I, I watch them change over the time in, in the studio. Uh, I think that's the beautiful thing about a studio space is it doesn't matter whether or whether you think a track is finished or, or you're coming in with the bare bones. It will always change to adapt to the, the recorded environment. Um, I demo uh, sometimes rather heavily, not that I play them to a lot of people, but I demo a lot to learn a lot about the, the music that I'm writing. And uh, I think through that you become more prepared to go into the studio. But yeah, of course, those things will always change um, once we all get together in a room and, and share ideas. Have you felt the shift as you've gone from emerging artist to established name? Are there things you can do now that would have been, uh, you know, unthinkable or tricky uh, around the time of the first album? Um, I think there's things that we do now that we wouldn't have thought to do previously. Um, I, I don't know that there's things that we can get away with. I think, or maybe there are, maybe we can play longer sets. Um, people know more of our music. Uh, but I, I think with, with experience and time, um, you set an expectation for yourself that maybe you previously hadn't, uh, which allows you to tailor a stage show to, to knowing that people might know a little bit more of your material, uh, might be familiar with certain changes and things that you can do with songs. So it definitely influences and in, informs the way that that we perform live and 
and then go on to make records as well. Still, it must be nerve-wracking when, as you've got a new album out now, uh, of course, you've got those uh, gigs coming up. When you are presenting that new material, what's going through your mind? Learning to play them, first and foremost. Um, I think, as a, a lot of artists, I think, would find when you record in a studio and 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 you have to take it to a live format, it can can be challenging. I think for for me and for us, um, this record is is while it's in many ways the same the, the same band and the same thing that we would usually do. It's also got a lot of points of difference, and uh, through that, yeah, that there could be some anxiety around. Are people going to to wonder what what in the world is this? Why are they? <laughs> what what's this new kind of song about? Particularly, goodbye to music is is very different. I I think to a lot of the stuff we've done. Um, so my hope is that it's still got uh, that that inherent flying colours element to all of the music that we, we put out and the way in which we were able to perform it with this new record. Of course, you released Fantasy Country in 2021, I believe, when lockdowns were making tours obviously virtually impossible. What have those moments back on stage been like over the last few years? Does it feel different to the pandemic? I mean, I was interviewing a singer-songwriter the other day and I was saying there's just more the audience is just more thankful and we're more thankful to be there too. You know what I mean? Yes, I certainly do. Um, definitely uh, our first shows back were some of the some of the most amazing times we've ever shared on stage together. I think for the first time in my life I was nervous to play, to perform, um, which was a very new sensation. I think we all, we're, we're not a nervy band, generally speaking, regardless of the size of the stage or the the um, the occasion, but definitely those uh, those events were very nerve wracking. Um, that those those shows, uh, but they were fantastic, and I, I do agree. A lot of a lot of our audiences were just so happy to to be there and to be at, at the performances. Um, I do look forward to things leveling out to a point where we can. We can move on and, and people can experience things in a really genuine way as well um, rather than the sensation, oh, live music's back. I, I, I like hearing something and just going, wow, I'm just happy to be here regardless. Mm. If you just join me, Brody J. Brummer from Flying Colours is my guest here on RN Drive. And Brody, we're about to play Goodbye to Music, the first single off the new album. What, what is this song about for you? It's exactly a bit... Unfortunately, not something I like to talk about, but during lockdown, I think there was a lot more silence. Um, uh, living in Melbourne, in, in, in Brunswick, I found without the street traffic and the noise, and I, I realised that I'm, I'm an audio engineer and uh, not mixing mixing bands, and I just realised there was a ring in my ears that I hadn't really identified before. So Goodbye to Music is particularly referencing uh, and coming to terms with the idea that one day you might lose, I might lose hearing and... and might have to say goodbye to something that I love so much unless I make some uh, sensible decisions about how I, uh, how I treat my hearing and how I protect my ears. <laughs> well, uh, let's make sure we play it so that we can enjoy it before it uh, – hopefully that never happens oh, on RN Drive. <laughs> goodbye <laughs> to music. This is Flying Colours. Brody J. Brummers joining me here in the studio.
that was Goodbye to Music. That's Flying Colours. Brody J. Brummer is my guest. He's in the studio here on RN Drive. And speaking of live shows, Brody, I believe your first tour overseas was also your first trip overseas full stop, <laughs> which is a pretty unique way to see the world. I mean, you know, my first time overseas was going to Europe and doing a Kentucky tour, not uh, playing to screaming fans. So what was that like? Did you get to explore or did it kind of bl- blur into different venues and different hotel rooms? Um, that's funny that you know that, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it was amazing. It was, it was a very unique way, I think, to experience, uh, the world. I think it was, as a lot of people would, would have experienced themselves touring, you, you get to see the inside of the club or, or the, the venue, whatever it may be. And then you see everything out the window of a van or, uh, but that was, it was a really cool way to have done it. And I think it was a very calming way to, uh, to have a, a tour manager to kind of, hold your hand a little bit through different places where um, you might not speak the language that well. I, I think it was very very funny for everybody else in in the band to watch <laughs> me kind of adjust to it because they all travelled quite a bit. Um, Andy, our drummer, had done quite a bit of touring as well. So, yeah, it was a very unique way to do it. And to be honest with you, I've only been overseas since once without an instrument. So, yeah, I, I should do that one of these days, but... Yeah, I could have yeah. done with a tour manager to make sure I didn't lose my passport once or twice. <laughs> I think that's the perfect solution. Exactly. I mean, I did. I lost everything on the first night, and luckily uh, we were able to go back and get it because <laughs> the tour manager was so kind. So yeah, I, 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 uh, I wouldn't want to think what it might have been like otherwise. <laughs> uh, you've also recently owned, opened your own venue, the Bergy Band Room. A brave move after the last few years for venues, hospitality and band rooms. What did you want in a live space? As someone who's usually up on the stage yourself, I suppose you'd be quite choosy about, well, some some things at least. Almost everything. Um, we had the benefit of uh, completely designing it. It was a $2 shop, so a retail space, and we completely brought it back to an empty shell and, and started from scratch, did it did it the right way in consultation with acousticians and, and close consultation with our local council to ensure that the venue uh, is a great a great space for, for our neighbours as well as for us. Um, I think the experience of, of being a, an audio engineer and a performer and, and, and then having the venue allows you to really just, yeah, know what you want. Um, for me, it was a 200 capacity venue with fantastic production specs. And I've said this a few times, a a small big room or a big small room. I think a lot of um, artists through COVID were able to play rooms that they previously hadn't because of reduced capacities. So you'd see a lot of artists playing in a theatre where they'd usually play a, um, a smaller room. And I think bringing that level of production and that level of hospitality to artists and then in turn their fans lifts raises the bar across the board for for what a gig or a show really is and can be uh, that was that was my ethos around it essentially yeah, and our idea and a real investment in the scene that obviously you've become such a proponent of Brody it's been a great opportunity to talk with you and to hear some of your new music uh, thanks so much for joining me here on RN drive Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Brody J. Brummer from Flying Colours has been my guest, and you never know, the latest album from the band is out now. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. 
For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.